I know everybody says money can't buy happiness, but it can buy me a boat. Country song that was popular a few years ago, just in case there's one or two that haven't figured it out yet. Um, honestly, it resonates with me. It really does. You know, boy, are there things that I could buy. And if you're spiritual enough and smart enough, maybe you're starting to see where, how I'm going to connect the dots and you're ready to say something to me like, come on, Mark, it's not about a boat. Don't trivialize my very real concerns in this life. I'm not concerned about a boat. I'm concerned about things like food and clothing, gas. I'm concerned about my physical health. I'm concerned about my mortgage. And once again, I have to say, honestly, this resonates with me. But, but all of these worries, all of these concerns, just like the country singer's desire for a pile like Warren Buffett can lead us into feelings of discontentment. So I'd like to read something from Spurgeon that I think is helpful to us. I hope it's helpful to you. Uh, if you're at all familiar with Spurgeon, you know that many people have called him the prince of preachers. But he was a man, and he had struggles just like we do. Uh, he was very, very popular. He had great success in his calling, in his ministry. Uh, he was, even in, as a young age, in his early 20s, he had the largest Baptist congregation in all of London, but he had struggles with anxiety and depression, severely uh, so. This is what he said. This is how he described it. Perhaps never soul went so near the burning furnace of insanity and yet came away unharmed. So it's this Spurgeon, this struggling man that directs our hearts and our minds to important biblical themes about contentment in God. He said this, you that are lowest on the scale of visible joy, you that are broken like a shipwreck, you that are a mass of pain, you that are in poverty, will you give your Lord a good word? Will you say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? He went on to say, at our worst, we are better off than the world at its best. Godly poverty is better than unhallowed riches. Our sickness is better than the sinner's health. Our depression is better than the earth's honors. We consider it better to suffer pain equal to the torture of death than bathe in sin's pleasures. He went on to say, God's people sing. We hear the full-toned, high-ascending music that never ceases. Its cadences are with us when darkness thickens on darkness and the heart is heavily oppressed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Do you know this paradox? Some of us have known it for many years. Spurgeon said, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And then you have discontent, covetousness, lacking faith, doubting God's presence with us, doubting God's care for us. The enemy wants these things for you and for me. The enemy wants us to be deceived, to be discontent, to, to despair. Now, I, I don't know if the person that wrote the, the lyrics to that song is a professing believer or not. I do know that he would benefit from a greater understanding of God's word. You know, the, uh, the, the uh, money is not the root of all evil, as he says in another stanza of his song. Money isn't the root of our problems either. Scripture tells us that it's the love of money that is a root of all sorts of problems. 
So whether we're rich or we're poor or we're something in between, whatever our cares in this life are, we must find our contentment in God. Now you'll say it's hard. Sometimes it's hard, and I understand that. But 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you want gain? Here's great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Do Satan and his demons want us to be content? Do they want to hear us give our Lord a good word, or do they want to find us discontent? I, I personally feel the worries and the cares of this life very much. I do. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm convicted by these passages. And right now, maybe you do. You, you feel that way as well. In Ecclesiastes 7.14, it says, In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider, God has made the one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. In other words, we don't know what tomorrow brings. God doesn't reveal to us our tomorrows. We need to be content in him today and trust in his providence for tomorrow. James 1, 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In Psalm 100, verse 4, the psalmist calls us to remember God's goodness, to lift our voices in praise to him. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Will you give your Lord a good word this morning? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins. So let's confess our sins silently, remembering our God is a gracious, merciful, and forgiving God, and that he cares.